This is Talk is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, brought to you by Sitka Come along as we bring conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Yeti. Thank you Sitka Gear and Yeti for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. Well, here we are, 2023, and it's the seventh annual Wild Sheep Jurassic Classic. We're sitting here on the shores of the Fraser River down at Island 22. It's Saturday afternoon at the Jurassic, and this is where we come to host our uh, Wild Sheep Barbecue, and uh, super fun time. We got three really cool guests uh, with us today. Some you know, some you don't. And uh, back, uh, Trev's a pretty regular on the on the podcast. Trevor Carruthers coming in hot from Cranbrook. Trev, welcome back. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Glad to be here. Awesome. Good to have you. And we got a couple new guests. So Colin, uh, everyone knows Colin Peters, but we haven't had him on the podcast, which is appalling. It absolutely <laughs> is appalling. So I asked Colin, "Do you want to do a podcast?" He goes, "Do I have to?" <laughs> so. Colin is always the quiet, silent type in the work, in the background, doing all the work. So, if you if you don't know where Colin is, just look around. He's going to be working somewhere. You and Rebecca are so dedicated to wild sheep, and um, really a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Colin. It's been it's long overdue, so welcome to the podcast. And God darn it, thanks for everything that you do, man. Thank you. No, this is one of my favorite times of year. It actually lands perfectly for me because we do our sheep hunting later. So we get stories of the guys coming off from the opener, and then we get uh, this timeout break. We see people from across North America. We top sheep of where they were or where they're going, and then I get my trip coming up in September. So it, it's it's a perfect fit. I love the being part of this. It's close to home. Uh, the Fraser is. I grew up on the Fraser. Just being part of a sub suburb. Just an hour away so this is my backyard and this this one event really means a lot that it's it is close to home and uh being able to meet people all over the all over the continent from as far over in canada i guess we've had some people from ontario is the furthest east and as far south i think there was a team from florida a couple of years ago so it's a great mix uh demographic but uh, a great time. Awesome. And uh, are you going to be at the Jurassic next year? I don't know. Well, why don't you know? Well, I've... You've, you've been here every year since you started coming, so why yeah. wouldn't you be here next year? What's going on? Well, my daughter's getting married. Well, but we changed the weekend. Oh. And do you know why we changed the weekend? <laughs> oh, did you? Do you know why we changed the weekend? <laughs> no. I don't have tell them why we changed the weekend. I have an idea, but... We changed it so you could be there, man. <laughs> so you said, well... Can we change the weekend? We're like, of course not. But honestly, truth be told, is we've always held it, held it the third weekend, which is problematic for a few reasons. And uh, logistically, it's always a challenge for Trevor that weekend and stuff. And we said, you know what? Colin and Rebecca are here every year. They're going to miss it. This isn't the perfect weekend for us. Let's make it work. So we, we looked at it, and so we moved it a week behind. So that And if you're not... You and Rebecca don't come here in a lot of trouble, buddy. That's all I can say. Um, so realistically, we did move it because of that. Because of that, but it was also some other conflicts too. So um, pretty well, cool. I guess I will continue then sheep hunting in September. Then yeah, it still doesn't <laughs> screw that up. And honestly, yeah. we talked about moving it earlier, and we did the, it last year a week earlier, which uh, worked. But um, I like to go for the opener sometimes. Yeah. And if it's the opener, I can't do it. If it's the second week, so I said to Trev, "Can we move it back a week and then work for him?" And hopefully, it works for our guests and. 
um, you know, everyone's pretty flexible, and this is. I think this goes on everybody's calendar really early, so people make a priority, right? So, yeah. hopefully, it works out for everybody. So, and today, this is this is cool. We've got James Mitten join us. James has come to the fold, kind of new to the wild sheep community in terms of uh, longevity when it comes to the the Jurassic, and but this is your fourth Jurassic or your third? This is my third Jurassic. Your third Jurassic. Yeah. So. James, you grew up, born and raised in Manitoba, That's Chilliwack correct, yep. boy at heart. You moved out here and we're living in Chilliwack and spent a bunch of time. So you're kind of back, back spent home. Spent 10 years in Chilliwack, yeah. Awesome. So uh, how, how did you fall into the Jurassic? How did you get involved? Let's tell a little story about how you got here. I actually married into the Wild Sheep <laughs> Society. And, and that's how you have to get to the Jurassic if and you want to volunteer. you got to marry in. <laughs> that's exactly it. The, the volunteer list is uh, is short and uh, exclusive. So uh, I married in and paid my dues, and here I am. So uh, who did you marry? What's the story there? Like, How did she get you in? Tell me the story there. Well, my wife, Corey, is just a longtime member. Uh been around she's here f- for every single jurassic that's the key right Corey's not missed a jurassic you and rebecca haven't missed one when you started coming but the first year you weren't here that's right and Corey was here Cor- corey has been Corey. you and i i think are the only three that have been here for the entire thing so. and it would have been great to have Corey on today too but she's like i'm watching her work right now i hate to say <laughs> it. this is horrible but um yeah she's <laughs> she's doing the heavy lifting and so super cool um yeah and corey has been a stalwart in our community for as long as i go back and uh, I remember that first Jurassic and, and Corey hustling around, and uh, um, yeah, it was it was surreal times. And we've a lot has changed over the years, and um, <laughs> for the good, I think, for the most. She part. told me she didn't even want to be here there for that first one. She was pretty upset that Dave made her come. So well, it was uh, there was it, it was it was logistically there were some challenges. We had rickety old um, picnic tables <laughs> that we you know literally they were falling apart. People were literally falling off the picnic tables, <laughs> and not because they drank too much, because they were. So rickety, um, but anyway, let's let's segue for the sake of Trevor here, and uh, let's let's Trevor, let's talk a little bit about um, how this whole event came. And I know some of you have heard the story before, but I'd like you to sort of just give us a real a real brief recap on on where the Jurassic came from, the vision, and you know, and what it stands for, and how important it is. Yeah, it was uh, it was a brainchild of uh, Dean Work, the owner of Great River Fishing Adventures. He such a conservation-minded guy, uh, but more importantly, collaboration-minded. Reached out to a few of us in the uh, in the wildlife community in BC at the time. I was a BC Wildlife Federation rep, and uh, and yourself as well uh, back in the day. That was 2016. Uh, about a model for fundraising that that would work a little bit different than the, than the standards. Uh, fundraising models that we'd see with banquets and, uh, and whatnot and and you know through a little bit of bouncing ideas around and like you said maybe a few years of hard learning some lessons on how to dial things in uh, we found a found a real good way to to work together with the the wild sheep society bc uh, the bc wildlife federation guide outfitters of bc and the wild sheep foundation um We've evolved over the last couple of years and now have uh, WSSBC, WSF, and GOABC as, uh, as the three groups involved in, uh, in the fundraiser. But we essentially, yeah, we, uh, we come here, we get to spend a weekend with 
56 friends and a dozen volunteers, um, bring people from all over, and uh, and raise money for wild sheep on uh, on the backs of uh, fishing white sturgeon and and really hard to come up with a, a a list of reasons why it's not fun to come and just fish fish for sturgeon all weekend long. Um, but even cooler when a guy can raise a, a lot of money for wild sheep. So on the surface, you could just sit there and say, well, it's just a big fishing tournament, right? And you just sit there and yeah. go, yeah, it's just a fishing tournament. But I think that that's, that's a gross exaggeration. And I, I, there's probably events out there that are pretty pretty skookum, but I, I don't know of anything like this. And So, Colin, let's touch a little bit on that. Like, what makes the Jurassic so special? Why is it not just... Because, you, you know, you talked about Florida, you talked about people coming, you know, there's teams here from uh, South Dakota, Idaho, um, people flown in from the Yukon, um, from all over North America to come here, sp- spend a boatload of money. Some of these teams go at live auction for seven, $8,000. Um, so you're not spending seven, eight grand and flying in from Florida just to do a fishing tournament. What makes it so special? I think the people that are coming from those distances, they recognize like most of us do as as residents or as um, residents of BC, the importance and uniqueness of British Columbia and what we have. British Columbia is probably the most biodiverse jurisdiction, state, province in North America. And unfortunately, like most jurisdictions, we're grossly underfunded. We don't have the population base as some of the other states down south. So the tax revenue, the potential revenue that we get coming into our province is fractional compared to the needs. And the other side of that is our unique climate in BC where we have four subspecies of sheep. We have dolls, stone, California bighorn, and Rocky Mountain bighorn. So to have all four of those in one jurisdiction it's a pretty special place and the ironic part about the fraser the the fraser river system is 1300 kilometers long which is approximately 900 miles and it starts in the rockies the west kind of very western banks of the the rockies kind of does a zigzag through the province and comes right out on the pacific uh, pacific coast on the west coast and through that, it does a giant zigzag of the province. So the waters that we see right here, probably almost a third of our province gets drained out of this one fishery. And it is a fishery because we've got salmon. There's an abundance of freshwater species. We have salmon that funnel through here. And the Fraser will be teeming with salmon in a short t- period of time. There were millions and millions of fish make their way up the Fraser. And the sturgeon, monster sturgeon, live in these waters. These waters are home to, I think, some of the biggest sturgeon on the continent. These sturgeon are also head out to sea. So it's a super unique fishery. It's a unique place. And I think Dean worked, encapsulated that uh, last night of how special it is to catch and release sturgeon, giving people opportunity that don't have opportunities of where they're at on the backs and off for the purpose of fundraising for wild sheep. Where we're at right now, our closest herds of wild sheep 
due north as the crow flies is barely 120 miles, mm. 100, 150, not even 150 miles north of where we're at right here. So geographically speaking, it is fairly close proximity to some bighorn herds that we have. So the, the, it kind of is a big tidy bow, as Dean would say, of connecting the sturgeon, the Fraser, and wild sheep. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and the interesting part for me that I find fascinating is the Fraser River sheep are struggling. Uh, we've invested a boatload of money. I think we've got a $1.6 million project of which um, we're close to half our budget on that. It's a roughly a nine-year project. We're going into year six. And uh, there's been a boatload of money poured into it from a number of great collaborators. So the Wild Sheep Foundation has been one of the bigger supporters. Uh, we've got the Midwest chapter of the Wild Sheep Foundation, Eastern chapter of the Wild Sheep Foundation, Abbotsford Fish and Game Club, Ian Baird, their VP is going to be here this uh, this evening to present a check for $20,000 that's going to go on to the test and remove project for the Fraser. And uh, those bighorns, there was 2,400 bighorns um, in the early 90s pre-die-off and they had, there was a disease event. And now we know it was mycoplasma ovinomonia or movi and um, they estimated them, they were down to 800. So. We've invested a ton of money, and, and your leadership on our board of directors has been involved with that, Trev, and through the Jurassic Classic, we put a lot of money towards that, and one of our, our fundraisers, there's a raffle that's going on right now that we have with Sacco and Steiner uh, Optics is um, is going to support this, so you know, a full donation from the good people over there that are going to raise $20,000 that are going to go back straight on the ground to help these wild sheep, and man, can you imagine if we turn those 800 bighorns into 2,400 sheep again? That's phenomenal and then really the the key culprit there yeah there's predation issues there's some habitat issues but by and large it's been a die-off so um i guess on that note trev let's talk a little bit about do we make money doing this is there is it is this a, a good event is it a good venue to make some money is it or is it just a, a great party and people come here and drink some beer catch some sturgeon and call it a day well it's definitely not one or the other it's uh it is a great party people do drink a lot of beer <laughs> um, but yeah we raise a lot of money as well for wild sheep and uh and it's actually pretty amazing um you know what can be done with such a small small group of people in a uh in a room we have 56 guests that show up and uh last night we did a guide selection auction uh friday night so our our boats kind of pick pick and jockey for whichever guide they want some of them are returning guides year after year it uh, gets a little competitive uh people people see an opportunity to give back to the resource and to to fundraise for wild sheep and, and we raised just under fifty thousand dollars last night with a room with uh 56 guests in it that that all of them came as pairs or groups of four um, phenomenal yeah um pretty wild um you know what a what a small tight-knit group can do um and you know when when we first started it was a uh it was a single weekend you know that we looked at and like okay well what can we do we can have an auction we can do this and that and and it's evolved and now we have a you know we're, we're thinking of things year long um especially like you said with that rifle raffle uh we can we can spread some of that that fundraising across the year and also spread what we're doing across the year as well uh spreading kind of the the information of uh of what this fundraiser is all about what the weekend's all about and uh yeah and and kind of look for new opportunities and i mean there, there was conversation last last night about uh 
about different fundraising models that that can be built off of something like this and and you've seen it you know even down in wsf uh, down in the united states there's been different uh, things uh obviously other conservation organizations are doing different fundraising uh off similar similar types of things and i, th I think it just it all just comes back to what uh what type of unique experience it is in a in a weekend of uh yeah, just getting together and they're with like-minded people. You know, it's funny. You talk about $47,000 in fundraising. I'm pretty sure that first year we had 8000 on our guide auction. It was, yeah. uh, I remember not too long ago, I think it was three years ago, we hit thirteen, and we were pretty elated. We're like, holy man, we made $13,000 yeah. on the guide auction, which is basically straight donations to our mission, our cause. And, um, and to see it having... You know, this this was built from the ground up. It truly was. And I remember those early days with you and I on the phone and calling people and emailing. <laughs> and I'm like, how the hell are we going to get rid of... At that time, we had, uh, was it 30 teams? Yeah. And we were just yeah. calling and we were hustling. And, and we did get 30 teams, but it was it was hard work. And it was just like, now we've, you know, it's grown into something. And, and on the backs of our hardworking volunteers. And, and that's the thing is this weekend, it's all about the volunteers. We um, We're all here working for nothing um you know i, I look at um Corey and james i look at um colin and rebecca at for example and, and the others too but uh, dennis and Teresa. and you know you take these two couples um this couple two people they've taken their entire weekend so friday saturday sunday and monday really effectively and that's just for the weekend we're not talking about the lead up we're not talking about all the prep work that Den dennis and Teresa have been doing all the volunteer uh, all the um, donation stuff but you take those four people and you figure volunteering 10 hours a day for sure. I know Corey was probably worked 15, maybe 17 hours yesterday. And you did too. We all, I think we all did, to be honest. But call it 10 hours. That's 40 hours on a weekend. And there's a couple. So a family's doing 80 hours for a weekend and volunteering. That's truly above and beyond in my mind. And so I guess on that note, James, maybe let's talk a little bit about why... Why wild sheep and why Why do you and Corey, why are you guys so invested in this and why do you put all this effort into this? Because there's, you know, you're, you guys are, well, are you in Maple Ridge? We're in Port Moody. In Port, yeah, sorry, Port Moody. So yeah. I'm sure there's a great fishing organization there. There's probably a great, there's probably tons of great volunteer opportunities, conservation organizations. Why wild sheep and, and why, why, why do you guys give so much and why do you do so much? Well, when I first started with... I think Jurassic might have been my first wild sheep event that I I volunteered at. And uh, the atmosphere was amazing. Um, the people here are just like extremely generous. Um, everything about this event is just... You, you can tell that everybody's genuinely want to give back and support conservation. And as I've spent some time with the wild sheep society i've just seen how how well they use the funds they're given how they're very accountable to each other and to their membership um how they use that money and how well it's used there's so many organizations that you hear about that are all their half their funds go into administrative costs and stuff like that and it's you see what wild sheep's doing and and the impact they're having it it makes you like how do you not volunteer um you feel an obligation as a, as a hunter as a an outdoorsman I, I do a bit of trapping and fishing um conservation is, is extremely important and 
when you see a group that's so dedicated to it and doing it so well, you can't help but be there and do whatever you can to help as well. How about sheep hunting? You did talk about hunting. Do you do any sheep hunting? Not yet. It's it's on the it's on the list. Is it a passion project? Is it something you're really keen to do? I know you're going. Is it elk hunting this fall? I'm hoping to do an elk hunt this solo. This fall. I understand. We'll see. I have some friends that I'm going to try to convince to come with me. But if not, well, nothing stopped me from going by myself, right? So, well, if there's sheep gods out there, there's karma. You're going to be taken care of. And I know that we've all been pretty fortunate. The three of us have had an opportunity to to take some sheep off the hills. So I'm I'm sure that. Uh, conservation karma gods or whoever that looks after that department will be looking after you um james talk a little bit about the wild sheep family like um you know and you talked about all those things about that make jurassic special and and the society um talk a little bit about what the wild sheep family means to you we use that term pretty liberally um i feel pretty strongly about it i feel like it truly is a family to me i i I come here every year and a lot of these people i see it you know our shows we see it sheep week down in reno um, but I do feel, even the ones I just see on an annual basis, I feel like it's family. The Randy and Donna's, although they came to Kamloops and stuff too. But um, talk a little bit about the wild sheep family and sort of what that means to you. I think that's an excellent word to describe wild sheep society because, yeah, you come here and they accept you as you are. They put you to work and uh, you're, you're just one of the, one of the crew. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you come back to each event and you recognize faces you meet some new faces and they just kind of become friends right away they're it's not like you got to work at it it's just oh how's it going how, how you been what, what what's your plans for this year Are you doing some hunting whatever right so um there's just always that that connection right there that you know you're working with someone who's dedicated to conservation um has a love for the outdoors and uh, they just share a lot of the same values. So, awesome. So, Thanks James, you talked a little bit about um, the projects we do, and and um, you know we can talk a little bit about Jurassic, but I think you know we're almost being a little myopic because you know again we're we're doing so much in a lot of the projects that the society invests in, Jurassic invests in, and so I'm not gonna I guess get granular and talk specifically about Jurassic projects, but I think Colin, you're probably most qualified to talk a little bit about the board of directors and some of the, the projects that are important to us and, and what we're investing in and and um, and kind of the important work that we're doing across, you know, um, all of British Columbia for wild sheep. And uh, so maybe just give us a perspective from a board member's view on the importance of the projects and, and what you guys are looking at and some of the key projects that come uh, front of mind for you. The projects come first to our projects committee which is uh, chaired by Chris Barker. The committee takes a look at those projects, where they're at, the impact, the monetary value of them, and the viability of it year after year. And then the projects committee discusses, they sort through the numerous um, projects that come across their desk, then they bring that to the board, and they are they suggest okay we suggest this project this project and they could be everything from a salting program um, right off of the Alaska Highway, which has been proven over the years to be very effective. The salting is to try to keep sheep from coming down on to the highway and getting road killed on the far north, or we have obviously the Fraser project, but we have 
projects in the Kootenays, invasive species, invasive species like plant material. Well, how, what do we, how do we do tail, deal with that? How do we take care of invasive species? Well, we look to government. We look to our biologists. We don't create the projects ourselves. The projects come through the scientific community, through mostly through the biologists, through our academia. They bring something to the projects committee. They ask us, ask the projects committee to take a look at that. The projects committee looks through it. Uh, vets through those applications and then it passes it along the board to ones that they feel offer good value where we could add value to that. And it's a clear across the province. Just recently we've got a new Thinhorn project, um, a, a doll specific with the Yukon. So this is a very unique and this is one that has been heavily invested by the chapters and affiliates and the Wild Sheep Foundation. So here is a very small corner of the continent that has thin horns, doll sheep in particular, that do, it affects BC and the Yukon, but the chapters and affiliates took a look at this uh, across all of their groups and they saw the value of thinking, you know what, yeah, we need to do something more in this corner and the funding doors opened up. So we're, I'm really proud to see <coughs> what we can do for sheep in our province, for what the need never seems to end, unfortunately. Um, not really blaming government, but th there's just a lack of money. There's just a lack of funding for what we have. But it's amazing to see, I'm going to use the term again, sheep family, of what does Midwest chapter. So we're talking areas kind of Iowa, Minnesota. They don't even hardly have sheep. There's some sheep in the, in the Dakotas, but they don't really have sheep in those jurisdictions. But they really put the funding, they, they stand up and say, you know what? Yes, we will support that. We believe in that project and that tiny little corner in the very corner of the, of, of the continent. We believe in that one. And it's, so it's kind of inspiring to when these projects come across, when we hear uh, as a board, when we hear the investment and we hear from other chapters their enthusiasm about supporting us in our province. Awesome. You know, the one key takeaway that I keep hitting on when James is talking about the Jurassic and, you know, you just talked about with projects is collaboration. And uh, you talked about a Yukon BC Dulce project right there. That, that's the essence of collaboration. Then we talk about chapter and affiliates involvement. And um, that was brought to chapter and affiliates uh, that was just hosted in South Dakota. We were down down in South Dakota for chapter and affiliates. And I think we had 274,000 US dollars committed. The Wild Sheep Society BC um, committed um, 50 grand, around 50 grand US. The Wild Sheep Foundation did 50 grand US and then a whole bunch of other chapter and affiliates kicked in. And like you said, all across the gamut. So this incredible amount of money. So to me, that's the one key of Jurassic is the collaborative aspect of it. And Trev, I think you know, we look at the different chapter and affiliates, the SCI organizations, Dallas Safari Club, these different groups that we've worked with. And um, I think that that's something that cannot be overlooked, the collaborative aspect of, of what we're doing here. I think as a society, for sure, the Wild Sheep Society BC, I think that's one of our strengths. That's one of the things that we've done well. But I think the heart of it is Jurassic, in my opinion. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's definitely something. Uh, it might be the tool that, that uh, allows that collaboration the easiest or one of the easiest collaboration tools. Um, 
Because collaboration is easy if you're always picking up the phone asking for other groups to send you money. Um, but it, you know, that doesn't work every time, right? To, to just reach out and say, hey, you should collaborate uh, by s- spending some, uh, some of your, your fundraising dollars up here in BC where we have XYZ project. It's, uh, it, you know, it's rare that we, I, I think Jurassic is great as that opportunity to say, you know, we have a pretty unique experience that we have a select number of people that can come here. Like you said, we used to have to hustle these teams and, and you know, almost try to tell people what this event was about. And now we we hold a certain number of groups or teams aside for these chapters and say, like, hey, this is a real unique opportunity. These are high demand. We have a lot of people that email us throughout the year and say they want to be here. Take this team and uh, do what you want with it auction it raffle it you know uh give it away to life members breakfast if it's that um and and send somebody up here uh but make some money for your own chapter so you know you see money yeah yeah made all over north america on on something that we're putting on it'd be very easy for us to sell 28 teams i think these days probably and and uh just do it all through through jurassic and uh through the society but you know it's pretty neat to be able to say no uh you know dallas safari clubs northeast michigan has a a team and you know they've supported us in the past or uh wsf midwest or you know all the different obviously sheep show we have a couple teams there and whatnot and and we want to make sure that they can continue to raise money on their own um so that way when we reach out you know down the road or when you reach out and say hey we got a really cool project it uh you know it's a that's it that's collaboration right the back and forth um looking for opportunities to support them while they are obviously if they're you know looking for ways to support sheep fundraising or sheep uh, projects up here we obviously have the uh the majority of the sheep projects around right uh, like colin was talking about um you know those those chapters out in the uh, the east and the Midwest and whatnot of the United States are are obviously fundraising a lot for places like BC, Yukon, you know, and and whatnot, and NWT for for sheep projects. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so we we look at what we raised here, and you know, I, you and I were working on Sunday's PowerPoint. I think you know it's north of three hundred thousand, three hundred fifty thousand dollars we've raised over the, mm-hmm. the the past six years, and this year we'll add another probably. 100,000 I would imagine if not more to that um, so we're coming up on half a million dollars fundraised over you know over the life of the I, I know you put you on the spot you, <laughs> there's no way to know but you think how much money we raised outside of the Jurassic through the teams that oh. were sold because you know you look at yeah. you know, Sheep Show that there was sh- teams sold for $78,000 this year yeah. that yeah it's something it's something that I, I kick myself you know how OCD I am about uh, tracking everything or trying to uh, to to have an answer for everything or, or track them down and it's it's something that I haven't done and that I have you know I've uh, I regret not following a little closer from even those first years where we were we're trying to prove the model you know um, and and trying to support chapters and whatnot and f- you know send them people who might be interested in coming and whatnot and yeah you, yeah you have teams that are making you know three to three to five thousand uh, dollars a year uh, off of off of some of these teams and we're keeping six to ten teams aside for for these chapters so um, 
you know, demand's really high and, and what a chapter does and how they market them and how they, uh, how they engage their, their, their audience at a fundraiser. Uh, and really that's part of, you know, people coming back year after year as they tell their friends about it. You know, they, they talk about what type of event it is. They, that demand has been raised. And so the prices you're seeing are also, um, it's getting harder to get here, which is, uh, is, is a, a good and a bad thing. It's great because uh, it means that those chapters are able to keep raising money for wild sheep. And I mean, everyone here wants to wants to come here, have a good time. But there's a lot of people that are looking for a way to give back. Um, and, and Jurassic's kind of neat because it's uh, it's a way to connect to you know the outdoors connect with people in a different way um it's biggest part for me obviously i you know we're sitting outside right now but it's connecting with the people year after year there's people that i i would miss if i didn't come to jurassic and i would miss catching up with them every year um but spending the weekend kind of connecting to a pretty pretty unique piece of uh the outdoors in the fraser river i think is what people get that most uh enjoyment from is that connection and uh and giving back um is as a result of the connection to the people and connection to the the uh the outdoors and whatnot so i think that you know that's one of the key takeaways for me is we, we talked a lot about money here the last 15 minutes and i i feel like jurassic the last thing we worry about here is the money yeah like it, it's Oh, yeah. um, but at the end of the day, we are mission-driven, right? We, we're here because of the resource. We're here because of wild sheep. We, we are here because we care about BC's wild sheep. We want to support them and other jurisdictions, like we talked about the work we do. But I really feel that uh, we're not out here hustling, trying to take the last dollar off the table. And, in fact, I think that's one thing that we've done well, and I think we can collectively give ourselves a pat on the back, is we pride ourselves on making this a world-class experience. We've teamed with... Um, arguably, I guess, depending if you talk to the competitors, one of the best outfitters on the Fraser River and Great River Fishing Adventures, Dean and his team are second to none, and I don't think anyone could do what Dean does. I, so I don't even think his competitors would uh, would yeah, argue too, too much with yeah. that. They yeah. may. But, yeah, they may. Uh, yeah. They're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we look at that, and right there, uh, we've set ourselves up for success. And honestly, the yeah. first year, we are doing a lot of leaning on Dean and his team and because we didn't you know we didn't know what to expect we didn't know what to do and there was a huge learning curve and um you know but i think that when you show up to jurassic you're gonna you're gonna get an experience where you're gonna have incredible fishing you know this weekend arguably shouldn't be great fishing it's hot it's windy and we know of certainly dozens of fish that have been caught and we're getting some pictures in of some big fish mm -hmm. um you know the guys are doing a great job getting people on fish um, but then you know the whole experience you know you show up and it's all inclusive, you know, your food's taken care of, your drinks, you don't have to drive anywhere. Um, you know, this, what's on the menu? Do you know what's on the menu tonight? Have you guys seen the menu? I've seen a few things. I think there's some, is this some Spoil links? it for us. There's links, okay, nice. Links on the menu, that, that'll be a new one for me. Right. Uh, there's some bison appies. Yeah, that's Joe. Joe's doing bison sliders or something with jalapeno, pop jalapeno, jalapeno poppers. poppers. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else we got? I'm sure there's some sheep on the menu. So that is domestic sheep that was sourced from Jennifer Bowes. She runs a farm in Briscoe, and um, she's the one in transmission. So I, you guys have all seen the mm -hmm. film transmission. Mm -hmm. For our listeners, if you haven't, check it out at uh, moviefree.org. Um, it's a fantastic film about 
the uh, mycoplasma ovi pneumonia and, and the risk that is posed with wild sheep. Jennifer was trying to cleanse her herd of movi, and she's still working on that. She's really having a hard time getting that. But anyway, she's called a number of sheep, and we purchased that meat from her, so we're serving that here tonight. So we got a bunch of, um, I think, so a bunch of sausage and a bunch of ground that's coming. That's going to be fantastic. Uh, what else we got? Is there salmon this yeah, year? Man, salmon. Listen right. to this. Listen to this. This is. Oh, you this got the. Menu. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. I can multitask. Listen to this. Salmon. What kind of salmon? Obviously, Sock. it's farmed probably from Norway. Norway probably. Or yeah, what? for sure. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I went and kokanee fished for the last uh, month straight, and I just brought a cooler full of uh, kokanee salmon out. Uh, no, we're joking. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's uh, no, that's sockeye salmon. Uh, sheep, Greek meatballs with tzatziki. Ooh, man. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this. <laughs> <laughs> it must be good. But it's lemongrass. I know, I know how to pronounce lemongrass, to be fair. <laughs> Just to be clear, that was not me uh, saying I didn't know how to pronounce that. But lemongrass, bobcat links, pickled radish, carrot, cilantro, cucumber on a baguette, jalapeno poppers with uh, – that's what Joseph's making there, Joe's making. What what part of that were you having trouble pronouncing? Just curious. This one. Oh, okay. Bon me. But, but oh, okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah, Fair enough. yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. It wasn't lemongrass, it wasn't radish, <laughs> it was uh, yeah, links, <laughs> it okay. wasn't links or bobcat. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, as a ex Alberta boy who says that ta Tabor corn is the best corn, it is, uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you grew up not far from Tabor corn, but right. we're having, yeah, and I got eye rolls across the table, but uh, <laughs> Chilliwack corn, we have a ton of Chilliwack corn. There is there is a Yeti 110, or I don't know, might be a 180, I, a, a big Yeti that you could fit a body in that is full of hot water and Chilliwack corn, that the timing on Chilliwack corn looks absolutely amazing. And then a whole ton of sides and some pretty stinking cool cookies uh, as well that were airbrushed, if you believe it, uh, with, with our, I think, one of the coolest logos in, uh, yeah. in Wild Sheep. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's a step up from subway subway lunches that we uh, that we just brought, but yeah, it's it's the best part of this weekend, I, I think. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'd like to see from the guests come off that haven't been a part. We're having a shore lunch, and they think, oh well, hot dogs and hamburgers. That's what's kind of going through their mind. It, it's pretty hard to put on a big spread when you're on the banks of the Fraser. There's we have there's no power here. We're outdoors, and then they start rolling in, and and the cook team with Teresa and Dennis and uh, Joe helping out with an appy is amazing, and the people are just blown away at tray after tray after tray of uh, food, and it, and it doesn't stop so from the time that yeah. they come off at 4:30. Uh, we've got meal after meal entree after entree coming and they are completely blown away yeah well said colin absolutely um just for those listening you may have heard the oh yeah oh. so <laughs> one of our other volunteers rebecca just <laughs> brought us a couple of now what do we got here we have um a catalyst lager and they're from delta brewery in calgary now these are coming in hot from Glenn Woody's, Cartwright yeah. and Woody's, Woody's Pub, Pub. on yep. Burnett. And so uh, Glenn stepped up like he always does to support conservation efforts and 
so many jurisdictions. All right, so we're, and we're not sponsored by White Claw. Yeah, There's what do you call those things, James? <laughs> They're nudes. Oh, it's a nude. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's even worse. Yeah. But uh, uh, we're not judging. You know, yeah. you're welcome to do that sort of thing on this. Um, one thing that one thing that Joe Rogan never gets when he hosts a podcast is his guests never have to answer a question while a wasp crawl into his beer. <laughs> and uh, I've already had to multitask that while there's a conversation about wasps crawling into uh, into open beers and, and trying to also formulate what my answer was going to be while I watched that. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that's one of the crappy things about Jurassic, that people have, when they come here, there's risks involved, right? Yeah. Like you may oh, end up yeah. with a beer with a wasp. You in might. Head. You might. So that's probably the... Yeah, worst thing that could happen yeah, this week. Probably going to get wet, like jumping in the Fraser River at one point uh, to hold a a giant sturgeon, seven or eight foot fish in the water. Yeah, yeah. So on that note, who's fish sturgeon here? Who's who's been out in the water and caught a fish? Yeah, Trev, I have. Yeah, you? I fished with my with friends in the past. Yeah, I've been fished with the Jurassic, but I have fished sturgeon in the past. Okay. Yeah. Um, how about you, James? I've never fished sturgeon yet. Okay, we got to switch up, Trev. Talk a little bit. So I know the the one we did a conservation boat, and we had some really cool people up. We had uh, Jared Fraser from Two Percent for Conservation, great organization. Check them out for anyone that's interested. And then um, Hunty was a sponsor that year, and we had Courtney on the boat with us, with you guys. Joe Pell and his wife Kirsten were there, so it was a real cool conservation boat. You were with Dean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys caught a ton of fish. You caught a couple of. You got a double header like. That was the day before when I I hopped out on the second day. Yeah, they, oh, okay. I literally came in after they had one of the best days of fishing, and uh, oh, I don't know. Yeah, double header, a seven foot fish. Um, yeah, I fished for that Sunday. It was one of the days that we. Uh, I don't know. Everything fell fell into place. Saturday's a little bit busier of a day for us. It seems like with the barbecue and whatnot, but uh, yeah, I managed to get out on a boat. Um, everybody always, uh, you know, I, I, I've joked about this this week, uh, this weekend already with people. I had a text on Wednesday or Thursday on one of my days off and I, you know, I get them every year. Buddy will say like, oh, are you getting ready to go out and catch some, catch some dinosaurs? Are you going to go slay some sturgeon and go fish? And I, I always say like, I laugh a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready to go out there and do all the administrative work that it takes to do 56 people fishing for sturgeon all weekend long, but pretty rare that I have ever seen a sturgeon. And I think it was year four or year five. I think year four was the first time that I actually said, hey, I saw a sturgeon at Jurassic Classic because <laughs> uh, short of seeing the boats off in the morning and seeing them back in the afternoon and seeing, you know, hundreds of pictures, I I don't get to, I've never experienced it. So for years I watched these, the you know, the, the stories and the, the looks on some of these people's faces, uh, guests, or guests' faces about, you know, just what it was like. And uh, you've, you've fished sturgeon, right? I have, yeah. Yeah, it... It was, uh, I fished a lot, uh, in my life and it is hard to describe the feeling you get when, uh, an unknown size fish is, is starting to move that rod and, uh, the anticipation of, uh, of waiting, watching that rod, like tug slowly and starts tapping and like, a few more slow pulls and the, the unknown of like if you miss if you miss that hit like I want you to try to set this hook nice and hard and there might be a 
four foot fish there might be a six foot fish there might be a nine foot fish it's a lot different than uh you know a walleye lake out in alberta or saskatchewan where you you feel it you feel a tap and you decide to see if you can uh if you can set the hook um you know the the, the cooler part other than going out and catching a couple of big fish was was being with dean and i always say that he's one of the best ambassadors for teaching you about the the fishery and like just the connection to the fishery the history the the connection he feels to the the fish and the species uh, similar to you know sheep hunting or being in the in the mountains with with a sheep hunter who has a lot of years of experience and who has a great respect for uh, for the species Dean taught me so much in a in a day just about the Fraser the fish you know you get your hands on one and you don't realize like how hard uh not scaled but how hard that armor is on them and how you know then you, you grab onto their their mouth while you're holding them there and you know it's a an eight foot seven or eight foot fish and you can essentially hold that fish you know just just with your hands while it's in three feet of water uh, until it's ready to go um yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It was hard to describe. It's uh, definitely the coolest fishing uh, day that I've spent ever out on the water. Um, just the unknown of what type of fish you might you you might hook into, and even a four foot fish is pretty pretty amazing. You know, I look. I, I get a little bit uh, worn out of seeing you know hundred pictures a, a weekend, and sometimes you look at a four foot three four foot fish and you're like oh yeah it's a shame it's not a nine foot fish but man those are cool fish to uh to handle and and some of the real small ones are actually kind of neat uh more interesting to look at you know they dean shows you the parts of them and uh and, you know they're they're still uh young and kind of vibrant they have sharp flukes i think i think they're flukes shows you i'm a real a real sturgeon expert but <laughs> but like they aren't worn out from from a, a life of growing to eight or nine foot of you know living in the rocks and whatnot and uh yeah they're just a really neat really neat species and we're lucky here that you know we're one of the only places that has such an amazing fishery forum obviously there's a couple states that have some really really good uh, sturgeon fishing as well but that's part of a unique experience as well is that uh you know the the bass or the walleye world uh that can be found throughout north america like this you can't do this everywhere mm -hmm. you can't find a river too that has the power that this that these rivers have you know it's uh or that this river has mm -hmm. it's uh yeah it's something that guy has to has to do more than once in your life um it's really yeah it's, it's really cool and you're 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 fishing with, uh, you know, the Wayne Gretzky, the the Mario Lemieux, the Sidney Crosby of of sturgeon fishing. Uh, when you're fishing with Dean, he is, yeah, he's the Godfather. Like he, everything he says. Last night he was telling stories about, you know, sonar about how big he thinks there are fish in this in this river. And someone said like, how many people believe him? And I said like, ah. Yeah, I believe pretty much anything Dean says because he, so far he hasn't been wrong about what he talks about with that river, and I don't know how many fish he's he's caught in his life, but yeah, it's 
unbelievable. So their tagline is "Monsters live here." I think, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's so. What was he saying last night? Nineteen. Yeah, yeah. He feet? thinks he thinks nine. There's he thinks you know, and nobody radio me, but like he thinks uh, that there's that there are fish in the Fraser that could be nineteen to twenty feet. Uh, never been caught. What's the biggest caught? caught? Thirteen feet? I, Fourteen I, feet? I think it depends what who. You know, I don't know that I've ever actually seen the official, like, uh, you know, BC number. Uh, definitely in that, like, 11 to 12 range, um, right. 11 and a half kind of range. We haven't caught it. We haven't. I think we've caught one 10-foot fish. No, we haven't. I don't think we've caught a 10-foot fish here. We've caught. I read the stats last night, and we have our biggest fish is 9 foot 8, 9 foot 9. Um, that was 2019. Okay. Uh, by uh, Ben Mike Bridger and yeah uh, Ben Barakoff's team yeah. the uh, Canadian Wildlife Capture team yeah um, we haven't broke ten feet uh, it's gonna happen I mean it takes one one fish but I mean the uh, we have I was looking at stats last night as I was uh, preparing the guide auction and I think last year there was three or four fish that were in that like eight eight foot plus range um, last year had. I don't know, a couple dozen that were over six feet. Like those are big, 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 powerful fish that all take some time to uh, to reel in. And this morning, you know, we were an hour ago, and Dean had already caught eight and uh, and lost ten. Uh, that's a lot of fish. That's <laughs> it's a lot of fish. Yeah. So um, I don't know. It's if I live closer, I'd. Uh, I I probably have worse than a uh, a bill with Dean every once in a while. I'd probably have an eighty thousand uh, dollar mortgage payment I'd be making on a on a new custom welder or something, oh, yeah. and uh, and yeah. and I'd be parked down here uh, every weekend. Well, Dean has I think he said he's had guys that fish with him, his company, thirty forty days a year. Like yeah. they're they're yeah. coming and they they fish for five days at a time and they come back you know yeah. every month or yeah. know, every couple months or something like that. People fly over from the UK. Gets a lot of repeat clientele from the UK and stuff. Just yeah. one quick question for you: what what is a how old is a nine and a half foot fish? Or maybe you guys know like how they're over like some of them are over hundred years old, right? They're these are old fish, aren't they? Yeah, I again would be the probably the last person. I was going to throw this one to Corey or, or to uh, James because I knew he would at least have that stunned look. Like, why would why did you just do that to me? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as soon as you were rambling up that question, I was like, oh, this is a He's great one. Me, this uh, is a great one. I I should turn it right back to uh, the host and say, you know, I, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> they what do you think of fish like that? Yeah, I don't know. They're they are super old. Um, you know, they talk about how old the species is, you know, and that's where they you, you hear about the prehistoric, you know, nature of, of the species. Uh, obviously, the, the play on words with the Jurassic. Um, but, yeah, th- they have a ton of age to them. Um, Dean talked about how much they grow every uh, every year. Like he said, there's a, you know, there's obviously an equation that, that they can kind of estimate. Um but man, I can't remember. Right now, there's probably people googling it on their phone, trying to prove me wrong if I say anything. So, like, <laughs> and we can't do it here because we have no bloody uh, yeah, cell no, service, yeah. no which service. is awesome. Exactly. That's the best part of yeah. this, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Actually, uh, I want to just follow up with what Trev said at his experience. What I like as a volunteer, and what kind of makes me keep coming back, is what are you vo- what are you volunteering for? What are you volunteering for? Is, is it just pure monetary value, or is it 
something more than that. And when in a little while here, we have barely an hour, hour and a half, and we're going to start seeing the guests come off the boats. And the smiles that you see, you can see them from 300 yards away as they come on and they put their, hand, put their feet on the shore. And the stories that they come talking of, oh, it was, and it's the, the folks that come from jurisdictions that don't have mountains, that don't have rivers, that don't have kind of what we're sitting on the banks of, and their experiences are just awesome to listen to. This is, this is my backyard. I grew up with this. I take it for granted a lot, but to feel somebody else's experience of having a big fish, and it doesn't even have to be a big fish, when they, when they feel like, we pulled this thing up, it felt like it was 500 pounds and it was three feet. And they said, but then we had a six footer and then a seven footer and, and then an eight footer. But it had those experiences, that's, that's really what makes me drawn to the Jurassic. And that's what really makes me keep coming back because we're giving, people are having experiences. Their, their funds are being used for wild sheep, which is my passion. Um, but we're enabling somebody else to have a bit of passion, a bit of an experience that they don't have before. And to see those smiles come off the boat and those stories that we'll hear over the next couple of days, it's kind of priceless. It's, it's great to hear. And that's part, I think that's what's so unique about the, uh, the Jurassic Classic, about its fundraising reach. And it's very, it's abnormal. In it doesn't really fit the normal models like what do we do for wild sheep Well, we have a convention or we'll have an auction of some sort but hey how about do some sturgeon fishing and then people right off the bat say to me well what does that have to do with wild sheep i says well it doesn't have to do anything with wild sheep we're, we're providing an experience to those that want to be a part or try something different yeah, but they're willing half these teams aren't sheep hunters aren't sheep fanatics but they see the value and they want to be part of that experience and to see this just see the results of that really is it's inspiring as a volunteer to say yeah this is really worth my time not as a director but purely as a volunteer if i wasn't a director i'd still be volunteering to see that smile on those faces really is worth a lot so i agree um, one of the things I want to just touch a little bit on that that's pretty crazy about the Jurassic. Like I walk in that room, and I look about look at that the people in that room, and it's a very um, a very diverse group. But there's a lot of leaders in our wild sheep community there, and, and the conservation community really. I, I w- I'm being a bit uh, I guess myopic when I say the wild sheep community. Certainly wild sheep community, but you know we look at we've got leadership from Dallas Safari Club here. We've got you know, Gray and Renee Thornton uh, have fished with us uh, almost every year. Uh, you know, Brett uh, Jefferson uh, retired off the chair as chair and board of directors of the Wild Sheep Foundation. Larry Jacobs is here. Um, Wayne Henderson is a board member here. Um, we look at um, different, uh, and uh, the people surprise me all the time. Oh, I, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm one of the um, uh, leaders for an SCI chapter and so and so and so forth. And you know, Brian uh, Feenhold showed up. We didn't really know who Brian was, and he's really somebody at Dell Safari Club. He's, you know, and, and it's incredible, the room. So, you know, I find it interesting that we're attracting that kind of crowd, and it's almost like it's almost like a there's some thought leadership going on there. Um, I, I guess I'm kind of curious to think, see what you guys think about, you know, 
what attracts these people and and um you know we always have a thought for the weekend too you know where we try and inspire people to come away with some you know some debate and and uh what's our thought this weekend um you know what can how far are we going to willing to go to help wild sheep that you know what are we willing to do where you know how much are we willing to give how many sacrifices will we make you know um you know, we talked about nursery herds that's been bantered around before outside the jurassic and you know is that something we look at in british columbia to try and supplement our our numbers they're doing it in mexico could we do that here but anyway let's talk a little bit about thought leadership colin you know you know we get the great thorntons of the world up here um, Kevin Hurley's here. Kevin's pretty much mainstay. He's been three or four of the six that we've hosted, seven we've hosted. So let's talk a little bit about that, guys. Don't be shy. Oh, everybody's uh, everybody's looking at. Tonight. Well, I think I think the fact that you're you're attracting those kind of people just speaks to the reach you have and the impact you're having. You talked about all the collaboration we have with all the different uh, conservation organizations throughout the states, throughout North America, really. And the fact that they wanna, they wanna support you in the Jurassic or any of your fundraising endeavors, just speaks to how they trust you and how Wild Sheep is making an impact. Because if we weren't making an impact, those people wouldn't be on the radar. Mm. They wouldn't be here. Mm. We'd just be a another small conservation organization that was doing a few things. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you have the heavy hitters here from all these different places just speaks to the impact you're having. Well, you, Trevor and Kyle, you guys really have built something incredibly unique. And I think that's what people, there's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of interest and people want to see, and it's inspiring uh, to create, to pass on or to uh, pump up creativity in others. Um, I've got some ideas for myself, but other people are coming here and think, how do they do that? Why are, like, we we tend to think within the box. We stay within our boundaries. We stay within the parameters. We stay within kind of our organizations and our industries of, well, what does other industry do? Well, let's, what do we do? What should we do? Or what can we do that's something different? And what you guys have built here is something different and unique. And I think that's part of what makes it, it's not just air quotes here sheep family it but it, like you've said it, it's we've had teams from ducks unlimited and when you look at the hunting space you to look at the duck folks and you look at the sheep hunters because as far as two different species you probably couldn't get further apart mm-hmm. but they're after the same thing and you've kind of inspired others to th- hey we got to think outside of what our norms are let's be creative in how we can do more and it's not just sheep that need help um, with aid projects, the Mule Deer Foundation, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. All these organizations and groups are constantly trying to reinvent or add and adjust the funding models. And the funding models is what kind of all of our organizations, that's what we're after. We're after new ways to uh, inspire and um, provoke individuals to get excited about their projects, their their species, and how do we do that? Well, we got to think outside of the norms. Let's do something unique. Let's do something creative. And just because it's not part of our norm raising norm uh, normal fundraising models, it doesn't mean it can't be effective. And I think that's what draws 
outside groups. They want to see what's, how are you doing this and why, how did you get started and seeing the, a little bit behind the scenes, a little bit the administrative bits to it. How does this work? Plus, could you imagine losing out on the bragging rights of having more annual pins than somebody else who is here? <laughs> 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 I mean, really, when it's, when it's meat and potatoes. I mean, being able to say, well, I have been here six years in a row or five years in a row. There's some value to that, right? So, I there mean, is. geez. So what, we've had two people that have been here seven years in seven a row years. only, but only two people two, yeah. other than the volunteers. There's the three yeah. volunteers that yeah. have been here. There's five of us in, with the volunteers that have yeah. haven't missed one. Yeah. So, um, okay, what was I going to ask you about? So when we think about um, Jurassic, the interesting thing, and we've actually got a little bit of pushback and um, on it. We're using one resource to fundraise for another. And... Um, We've been out told outright by some, some. I'm not going to go into the weeds here that they don't agree with it. And not not the participants, not anyone that's involved here, but we've heard that before. Um, is there a moral ethical issue here? Do we have any concerns about that? Is it right to be fishing for sturgeon and and all the resources going back to wild sheep? What's what's our take on that? Uh, I get the, uh, I get where people are making the argument because um, if you look at it on the. Uh, on the uh, the top layer, I think that's what it's it easy to, easy to draw those conclusions. Uh, I look at it obviously a little different. Um, these there's 14 boats out there on the water for two days. Um, you know we do have a small group. 14 boats. We're going to be on the water yesterday or sorry today and tomorrow, regardless of whether we were here um, fishing. No doubt. Uh, you know, it's a Saturday, Sunday in August, and uh, and those 14 boats are, are going to be out there fishing. We don't have, uh, we, aren't, we aren't putting on an event that brings additional boats to the water uh, to a fishery. So we're not, we're not, you know, on a, let's say a walleye or a bass lake, you know, where we, we might put 100 extra boats on the lake that year and, or that day or that weekend and put that extra time on the resource it is a uh, two standard days of fishing that those boats would be booked for we essentially just book them uh for our own use and then our, our guests go on there but but bigger than that um and i've been on a sturgeon fishing trip before uh jurassic and i don't talk about it ever when i when i uh talk about sturgeon fishing i hardly remember it as a as an experience uh, i was out here for for a work trip and we said, hey, man, we should we should look at going fishing sturgeon. We all put whatever it was, two or 300 bucks or whatever it was together. And we we got a day of guided fishing and we went out and we caught some fish. And, you know, we I can't remember how many we caught, two or three. There wasn't much of a connection to the outdoors. There wasn't much of a connection to the fishery. There wasn't much education involved. And that's not to say that depending on which guide we fished with, there wouldn't have been. Uh, but we wanted to just go out and catch fish and that's all it really mattered that there was a group of us that were here anyways. And we, we just wanted to go catch fish. I can, I can say unequivocally that the 56 people that we have here on the 14 boats all come back with a different connection to this water than, uh, the, the average. And I'm not saying that 
you know, lots of other people don't experience a different connection to this fishery. But we have people that are that have grown passionate about the Fraser River and about sturgeon conservation and what's going on in the sturgeon world. They're sensitive to, you know, changes. They listen to Dean when when Dean talks about uh, conservation concerns. And and sturgeon are, are fragile, similar to wild sheep that it doesn't take much to uh to cause disruption in them they're not you know they're obviously they've been around for a long time um but my understanding is they're quite a fragile resource as well um and we have people that seven years in a row you know and some six and some two and they come here they they experience the day connecting with the fishery thinking about more uh, you know than than just out on a fishing trip or out on a, a two-day tournament or anything like that i despise that word when when i look at the event you know me i every time i see it or hear it it's uh it makes me cringe um but they want to come back and they're they they would do anything to to work towards conservation for the fishery as well they tell a story you know and they have that uh, that really passionate feel about what uh, what the Fraser River provides them, you know, in an experience, um, and and in turn, we've we've looked for opportunities to educate uh, our room of conservation leaders on, hey, like you know, this is the Fraser River. If Dean has uh, something about conservation that he's passionate about with with sturgeon. He brings it forward and he says, hey, this is an opportunity. Maybe we should be looking at, at donating some money back to uh, sturgeon sturgeon conservation projects, uh, awareness, uh, and that kind of thing. And there's a connection then to Great River and their, and their connection to the river. So, so yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a wordy way of saying I obviously don't uh, – I obviously can see why people might draw a simple conclusion that way, but I think it's a lot deeper and uh, – and and to be honest i think um the the two days that we spend here uh there's obviously zero impact compared to what would be here anyways but there's a lot more connection to the fishery and people that were 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 growing conservation leaders into uh into having a connection to something that they may never have had before in a province that they may never have cared about the fishery uh up here before and and you know you look you look to midwest and to dallas safari club and sci and and cheap you know wsf and and all the different you know fish and game associations and whatnot that we've we've dealt with and and maybe that small connection with them and the collaboration in turn uh turns into hey you know we got we have conservation concerns on the fraser now about a project or development or whatever it may be i'm obviously not a person to be talking about uh you know what what type of concerns there are but what are way now that we can direct all of these conservation leaders to to putting some more um, time energy and funds you know into those uh those concerns so Mm. yeah and i think you probably feel the same way as uh, as me about it yeah, and I, you know, I will also argue too that we are investing in the resource. You know, we're, you know, we're we're putting money back on the Fraser. We're investing in the guide outfitting, 
um, money that's put in, being put back on the water, and we have donated to um, some sturgeon yep. work as well. We've yep. there's been a few donations over the years uh, made on certain smaller scale, but obviously we're mission focused on the society um, from wild sheep perspective. But we have invested back as well, and, and we got some really cool donations that we fundraised for, and the money went back to uh, sturgeon conservation. And like you said, yeah, if uh, if Dean's looking for some outreach in terms of certainly some money, need some money. Um, that's something we're going to look at trying to support because this is something we're using for a fundraising model and of course we care about sturgeon as, as well although it's not our main mission and then on top of it um, you know if, if there is something where we need to rally the troops you know the wild sheep family is going to get behind that you know if uh, maybe we need to sign a petition to to stop you know uh, development on the Fraser or something like that that's really going to affect the, the fishery and and they're going to have that support because of the I guess the awareness and advocacy that's been done over the years. So yeah, excellent points, guys. Anything else to add on that point, or I don't know. There was a rule book on fundraising. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I missed that one. <laughs> you, to fundraising for this species, you can only do this. That, that's what uh, I have had a few calls from the fundraising police on it, Colin. Yeah, it? yeah. It yeah. sure is. It sure I've, is good I've that. Like things like golf courses are where lots of people raise funds on have yeah. no impact on uh, any conservation concerns at all yeah. or or giant facilities where we have uh, big conventions you know would have no conservation concerns at all either about development or whatnot but yeah no it's there is fundraising police well, I think sure. they're the they, fundraising police they're found like in the phone book right under fun police <laughs> you will notice that the way that it's spelled <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some jealousy there about somebody else thinking outside the box and become effective and they being not so effective then. Yeah. Yeah. Could, yeah. Could, could be. But say. when you talk about uh, Sturgeon and I followed Dean, uh, his Insta page quite religiously now. And just recently there was another attempt for gravel mining on the Vetter. And you, for those that know that the Vetter system, the Vetter is barely hip deep at the best of times and they want to mine that full of gravel like it just is absurd we, we're looking across in, uh, mountains and we're looking north for those that know the Chilliwack area there's Agassiz and um, Woodside there's rock and gravel everywhere we look but yet why would you take why would you look at one of the most precious resources that we have is our freshwater fresh waterways and mine gravel out of that like it, it's just kind of absurd and it's following dean and the only way i would have known that is because i follow his page i take a look and it says yeah that's something i would absolutely i think all of us would get behind is that doesn't make any sense yeah yeah well said well gentlemen uh we've taken an hour and 10 minutes and what that means is that people are going to get off the water here in 42 minutes and mm. uh, we're going to be busy as heck and mm. in fact we're probably should be busy as heck right now so we're going to wrap this up but before we do that uh, be remiss if we just didn't recognize the incredible sponsors of the Jurassic Classic um, we've got our major sponsors of course the official sponsor of the Wild Sheep Society BC Sitka Gear does a fantastic job they've been an early adopter they've sent people up they've supported us um, prize packages uh, people are being equipped with Sitka Gear on that uh, Yeti Stone Glacier uh, fantastic support from those two organizations. Again, major supporters uh, year in and year out. Yeti's always stepped up to the plate and been a major supporter. And, uh, of course, we mentioned earlier uh, the uh, Sacco and Steiner have stepped up. 
supporting the raffle year in and year out. So, and then just <coughs> the multitude of silent auction donors and just donors that have uh, supported. We mentioned Glenn Cartwright, Woody's Pub, a whole bunch. The list goes on. Too many to recognize here, but you know that's one of the things that when we raise forty seven thousand dollars, if you spent forty seven thousand dollars putting this thing on you, you know and we have a ten thousand dollar prize package and that's just money that goes straight back to the wild sheep resource so incredible support from our sponsors and we just can't thank them enough for everything they do and then i i know the, the thing that i'm really passionate about is the volunteer support just the incredible work and trev is our lead on this um the fantastic work you do and like you said trev you say it and you're absolutely right work for the Jurassic Classic starts on Monday for the next year. It truly does. So, you know, on Monday we'll be wrapping things up. In fact, it started last week when we were setting the dates for it, you know, yeah. it, and so, you know, this is a multi, this is a, a year-long process. And just the work that you guys do, James, Colin, and your amazing spouses, uh, my amazing spouse, Melanie, I'm sure, Kim as well, I don't get to interact with her. And then Dennis and Teresa, um, we got Marius uh, Purcell here, helping out um peter gucci was generally volunteers every year but peter uh, very sadly the wildfires in Kelowna and and the tribulations that those fine people are going through and peter was staying at home to look after his family rightfully so uh joe humphreys is down from the yukon um incredible support there jeff jackson year in year out he's out in the boats taking pictures the fantastic photos we get in the imagery on this um incredible support who else am i missing and Dennis has three kids right now, or Joe's kids, and and Joe's kid, and and Dennis's two kids sitting there doing jalapeno poppers or something over there. Yeah. We're we're sitting around a table with headphones on, uh, acting like you know we're talking about something important. But uh, kids, well, Rebecca I'm, was I'm serving spear. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. Uh, I don't you, know. Rebecca. I don't know if you're uh, forgetting anyone right now. Um, we obviously have a couple of people come each year and and help out different people. Um, yeah, it's a pretty tight knit group that we got here, uh, pretty dialed in on, and on what we need to do, but yeah, it's a lot of work. Like and already we're talking, already we're talking about next, like Dennis is literally talking about what we're going to eat next year. Yeah. We haven't even eaten barbecue oh. this year and already we're talking about what's on the menu for 2024. And volunteers are truly, yeah, what this makes, but this event so special. And like James said, you got to marry and, you know, people are, and I, you know, we get it every year. People are, Hey, can I come and volunteer? And it's like, well. Yeah, no, probably not. Um, you know, it's uh, we we've got you know because this is this is this, we're passionate about this, right? Yeah. This is not this is a passion project for us. It's not something that we do we take lightly. It's something we're passionate about. We love. We think about it all year and we plan for it. We move dates, so you know <laughs> y- your your kid wouldn't move his wedding, unfortunately. So we moved the Jurassic, right? So, um, but pretty awesome, Colin, James, Trev, awesome guys. Let's go do some work and thank you for everything you do. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Thank you.